Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. We don't want people to come up here just to enjoy what's here and not have anything left behind to the communities. So the way to not do that, the solution, the alternative to that is to really have a focus from the very beginning of the work on growing local entrepreneurs. Appalachia Meets World, a podcast about place and perspective, but always Appalachian. And don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR. Shaping our Appalachian region. If you're an entrepreneur out there, especially in eastern Kentucky, check them out. Appalachian Meets World, we're back. It's Will. And Neil, what up, brother? Hey, how's it going? Hey, man. It's good. It's good. Another day? Another day. Another hot one. Heat wave coming through. What's the deal? Man, I don't know. Good Lord turned up the temperature. It hit 100 there? Real close. 93 right now. I don't mind it, to be honest with you. I love it. I'm cold all the time, so I think it feels great. Yeah, I know some people don't. I know it's hard on some people. I know my wife, she thinks it's hot outside because it's freezing in my house. <laughs> Mine too. What, what is the deal with that? I don't know. I said, you know, the local power companies are talking about, you know, crank your air up a little bit, give it a degree or two so it's not working so hard. I think we went the opposite way at my house. I mean, I literally need a sweatshirt at night. I'm walking through the house with a blanket on all the time. (laughs) Like, seriously? Unbelievable. Especially with energy prices the way they are. Gas prices. I know. Through the roof. I, I paid five twenty the other day. Woo. Are you still four ninety? Something I'm like still that? below five, but just barely. Five twenty. You think about it like a year ago, it was almost under two dollars. I know. Like I said, I paid five twenty, but the tank cut off at fifty dollars. What? I only got 10 gallons. What kind of gas station you going to, bro? <laughs> I don't know why. What neighborhood you in? <laughs> I don't know why it cut off, but it did. You probably thought the debit card ran out or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's an end in sight, man. Well, the Fed's just raised interest rates. Just to try to combat inflation, but don't you just see that as a way of just stifling everything and forcing us into a recession? Am I crazy? It's definitely going to stifle the economy. I saw there was a 75% chance that we would go into a recession in 2024. 75% chance. The people that are holding the keys are forcing it. That's the thing. Like I, I was considering trying to get a new car. I don't think I will now. Housing mortgages, they've gone up since January from 3% to 6%. Yeah, it's crazy, man. And I know how hot the housing market is, but you got to reconsider whether you're going to buy a house right now or not. Absolutely. I mean, those people that are on the cusp or they're moving into town or, you know, they're trying to figure out if this is the right location for them. They're not buying. No, it's crazy. Yeah, Neil, I just want to mention quickly some Appalachian news. I know we've mentioned Opportunity Appalachia before. They're an organization that provides funding 
for services for communities. It's a range of technical assistance uh, for projects that can include anything from market assessment, design, architectural, engineering, business plan development, financial structuring, prospectus preparation, and capital raise support to try to attract investment for particular areas. I just wanted to point that out because they just announced the selection of 34 projects to participate in the program to bring jobs and business support and investment into central Appalachia. They've suggested that some of the selected projects are proposed to create 1,700 jobs and attract over $177 million in financing, ranging from manufacturing facilities, downtown development, community centers, health, wellness, and child care centers, food and agricultural facilities, hotels, retail enterprises, and downtowns and rural areas across central Appalachia. I just wanted to mention that because it goes to show of how we can attract investment into Appalachia, into rural Appalachia. This organization, Opportunity Appalachia, through Appalachian Community Capital, it has plans to expand. So I think it's a great initiative that's going on to, again, help attract important investment into the region. Ask Anything Friday. Yes, it is again, becoming one of my favorite times of our show. Uh, I love this segment, even though it's in its early stages. This question of the week, Will, comes in from one of our listeners who is actually in West Virginia. Tom wants to know, Will, you're always asking people about what they like to do in Appalachia. What is your favorite thing to do in Appalachia? You can put on the spot here. Oh, I'm coming through in a big way. When you when you ask people their favorite place or what they want to do in regards to travel, you'll you'll always hear beaches, you'll always hear out of the country, you know, these exotic places. But to be honest, I don't think there's any better place. One of my favorite things to do in Appalachia, I like to hike, but hiking through Pine Mountain State Park, I don't know if it just brings me back to my childhood. But that may be one of the, my favorite things to do, hiking through Pine Mountain State Park, hiking through the rails and trails that we have around there. I used to ride my four-wheeler through old abandoned strip mines, you know, just as something to do when I was little. Now it's eco-adventure everywhere throughout Appalachia. Now it's an it's a economic driver. Whereas when I was little, I just took my four-wheeler on old abandoned strip mines because that's all there was. And um, we really didn't know what we had back then. We had a business right before us. <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess, obviously, that's one of my favorite things to do, hiking. Some of you listeners that got questions, don't forget, send them in. Good things ahead in this segment. Ask Anything <laughs> Friday. I got another news story. Yeah? It's not Appalachia-based. I want to hear it then. <laughs> <laughs> Internet Ex- Explorer is no more. What? Microsoft got rid of it. Seriously? got rid of Internet Explorer. That used to be my go-to. That's all I ever used. So what is it? I mean, now there's Chrome, there's Firefox, but yeah, they got rid of Internet Explorer. You can't use it anymore. People still have it downloaded. I don't know how it works. Oh, yeah. It'll take, it'll probably send you into a warp zone. Oh, yeah. I have it. (laughs) The speed of your computer is not well enough to take a risk like this, you better get off of Internet Explorer or I'll never, never see you again. Oh, I got a message. I got a message. It says, we're sorry, but this browser is no longer supported. Wow. By Internet Explorer. So there you go. It is dead. 27 years and it's dead. 
In the technology game, lasting 27 years is pretty remarkable, right? 27 years is ancient in technology, yeah. But how old is the original iPhone? I don't know. It's a good question. They did just get rid of the iPod. Yeah. I feel like we should go backwards in, in phones, though. Like, I think that's something that we should cycle back through. I'm not saying we go back to, like, Nextel. <laughs> you, hey. mean like, you mean, like, the design? The design and, like, the capabilities. Like, I want my kids to have a phone. I just don't want them to be able to get on social media. <laughs> like, is that wrong? I mean, I, th- I feel like social media has absolutely killed. Are you, at, are you getting to the age where you're telling people to get off your lawn? Like, <laughs> yeah, you want to go back to the, bring something with them. Well, you want to go back. What was the old Nokia? So you want to go back to the Nokia days where it's just in the palm of your hand, no screen. Just a phone, right? Yeah, because guess what else wasn't on there? Facebook, Instagram, MySpace, <laughs> Twitter. None of that stuff that kids could get in trouble with, man. I'm like an old parent now. So no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I feel like our father uses Facebook more than we do. Oh, by far. What? What is 100%. wrong? 100%. What is wrong with that? That's the thing. Meta has turned into the social media for old people. Right. <laughs> Calling me up. Hey, did you see so-and-so? They went outside today <laughs> telling me stories about people on Facebook like he talked to them. You know, going back to Nokia just kind of makes me think about simpler times when it was much easier. Do you remember growing up in the mountains catching fireflies? I do, man. I do. Yeah, we used to put them in jars. Yeah, I killed many of the fireflies because I didn't know you're supposed to give them air every now and then. Well, we put them in jars and we poke holes in the top of the jars. You would poke holes. I'd just be like, <laughs> I got them in the jar, Will. I got them in the jar. <laughs> okay, mine survived. Now you know why mine survived. Yeah, I, I mean, who needs air? You could poke holes. You could take them in your room. They'd light it up. Yep, yep. At that time, my room was your room. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yours didn't need to survive. You only needed uh-huh, mine. Exactly. I had Much life. simpler time, though. I only mentioned that because there's coming up in a particular part of Pennsylvania. Better said as a particular part of Appalachia. In Appalachia, Pennsylvania, known as the PA Wilds. They have an annual Firefly Festival. It's supposed to be really cool thing to see especially in in a time when gas prices are high short trip to the pennsylvania wilds would be pretty cool sight to see yeah well you talk like you know all kinds of stuff about the pa wilds but you know i know somebody that does and it ain't you it definitely is not me i'm not the expert on the pennsylvania wilds i'm looking forward to talking about everything fireflies better known as lightning bugs and all sorts of cool stuff about the Pennsylvania Wilds. You know, as a Kentuckian, we've talked to the ladies that are in charge of the Kentucky Wildlands. And similar to to Kentucky, Pennsylvania is known for its outdoor adventure. And it's also, of course, part of Appalachia. So I'm really looking forward to learning more about the PA Wilds and most intrigued on what I'm going to be doing next weekend. So that's going to be one of my questions. What do I do in Pennsylvania for a weekend? I think we should go ahead and get Miss Ta Enos on the program so she can let us know all about the Pennsylvania Wilds and what they do there. They got some cool, innovative things going on. And I say, let's get her on here and find out. Absolutely. Let's learn more. (laughs) 
today's episode, we have an extremely special guest. We have Ta Enos. She's a writer, founder, and CEO of the Pennsylvania Wild Center for Entrepreneurship, which is part of a 13-county Pennsylvania Wilds regional brand. But it's more than a brand. It's actually a place and a movement to offer the biggest green space between New York and Chicago, 11 tourism regions, seven conservation landscapes, 2.1 million acres of public land, which is bigger than Yellowstone National Park, two wild scenic rivers, the largest wild elk herd in the Northeast, the darkest skies internationally certified, not to mention Pine Creek Valley and Rail Trail, the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon, Kinzoo Bridge and Skywalk, some of the best fly fishing around at Slate Run and home of Case and Zippo lighters. Also, Puxantani Phil and the Little League World Series and Museum. Ta, we greatly appreciate you being here and appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. There's so much going on in the Pennsylvania wilds. But before we get into it, I wanted to ask you a question that we ask all our guests. Like most Appalachians, Neil and I family, we're big on tradition. One of the traditions we have, we have appetizers at the holidays. We usually have more appetizers than the actual meal. So we wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite appetizer or just holiday dish? Um, I really like, uh, boy, a couple of things. Spinach artichoke dip is a a really good one. I found a good recipe and I want to say it's probably a Southern recipe. I've got that one. And then I'm a big fan of veggie trays, you know, and then uh, cream wafers for cookies. I would say at the holidays, my mom always made cream wafers and they're sort of a, they're almost like a pie a crust kind of cookie and then they have this really rich wonderful buttercream in between them so you got to switch to the veggie trays after you have the cream wafers (laughs) cream wafers first yes so chips are like a a type of bread with a spinach dip well my kids really like it with the uh the artisan bread right like a baguette you cut it up i have it with these I forget what they're called. My husband calls them cinder chips because he says they taste terrible. (laughs) These crackers (laughs) that are relatively good for you. So I have it on those. And then my husband just likes it on Ritz, you know, so it can go either way. Now that we have that question out of the way, we really want to dive into the Pennsylvania Wilds. Can you let our listeners know just exactly what is the Pennsylvania Wilds, how it got started and how it has kind of formed into the Center for Entrepreneurship and how that is significant? Sure. Yeah. So the Pennsylvania Wilds as a place. So uh, we're this, uh, 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 the most rural part of Pennsylvania, 13 counties. Uh, We have 2.4 million acres of public land, like you were saying, uh, more public land than Yellowstone National Park, two national wild and scenic rivers, dark skies, some of the darkest skies in the country, great for um, viewing the, the Milky Way. We're a working forest landscape. We have the largest wild elk herd in the Northeast. You know, a really forested landscape. So a lot of wildlife and the forest, of course, is the reason for our dark skies. You know, there's about 500,000 people total spread across, I would say, a place the size of Massachusetts. So a lot of small rural towns in our big woods. So that's sort of our region. Uh, what we look like as the Pennsylvania Wilds. We're one of the state's 11 official tourism regions. We're also one of its eight designated landscapes, conservation landscapes, because of our unique natural assets. We have here the greatest concentration of public lands in the Commonwealth are here in the Pennsylvania Wilds. So 
you know, we're unrivaled in, in Pennsylvania for outdoor experiences you can come here and have those. We're also a region that has seen a lot of economic distress and a population decline over the last couple of decades. You know, like a lot of uh, rural areas, sort of those macro forces that really kind of gutted towns, globalization and all of the things, you know, tectonic shifts and technology and all the things that kind of worked against uh, rural places. And so it was really back in the early 2000s that they launched the Pennsylvania Wilds. And the whole idea was, you know, can we use these public lands and leverage them in a way that really helps to revitalize communities? It's not enough. What I've learned in the 15 years I've been doing this is it's not enough to just have recreation assets. You really have to activate them to really get that economic return for rural communities. So our region, we have all these public lands and we also have 50 census tracts or more of, um, you know, labeled severe distress. So, you know, almost 40% of our region's residents live in distressed census tracts. So how can we do more to, to really activate these public lands, you know, to get that economic return and help revitalize our rural communities? How can we do that in a sustainable way, in a way that's, you know, has the appropriate stewardship messages around it? So it was this idea of let's work together as a region to try to develop a regional brand around our outdoor rec assets and really do it in a holistic way, you know, that it was just not, let's just market it. It was about marketing. It was small business development. It was stewardship. It was regional planning. It was like all the things, like, let's try to do this in a really smart way. So it was really the state that launched it. I mean, there's nobody else that could have gotten so many, you know, people around the table across such a monster of a landscape. It had to sort of be the state in the beginning, especially given our, our capacity out here. But, you know, it never would have lasted in a million years had locals not really stood up, and, you know, stood up and owned it. Um, and so that really started to happen from the very beginning. I was one of those people, right, that, that said, hey, this is a really good idea for our region. And I want to, I want to be part of it. And so that really in the beginning looked like, you know, me just working as a, as a staffer, I was the first staffer and my, my title was PA Wild Small Business Ombudsman. So my job was to go around the region and talk to entrepreneurs and help them understand these investments that were coming because there was recreation infrastructure investments that were coming. The Elk Country Visitor Center, it's like this world-class visitor center for elk conservation. There were several, you know, sort of anchor things like that, that were happening, but for a while, they were just on paper, you know, like rural communities didn't, couldn't see all that happening. And so my job was to go out there. And for five years, that's what I did. I worked with all these entrepreneurs and I tried to help them understand, you know, kind of what was coming and how they could utilize it. And that really led to the launch eventually of the PA Wild Center. The cool thing about it is, you know, in the very beginning of the Wild's work, there was a local stakeholder group that came up that, that sort of grew up around it called the PA Wilds planning team. They vocalized very early on that, you know, we don't want tourism to be an extraction industry. We don't want people to come up here just to enjoy what's here and not have anything left behind for the communities. So the way to not do that, the solution, the alternative to that is to really have a focus from the very beginning of the work on growing local entrepreneurs, on growing rooted wealth in these rural communities, right? 
the days of like chasing after the 300 job manufacturing plant to come set down in your rural community, those days are gone. You know, the, our right. best, like the way that we can really grow and help our major manufacturers is to grow these little businesses, bring our downtowns back, have this vibrant, you know, sort of, you know, small businesses. And so that focus, I just look back at those days. And I am so proud of our region for noticing that, for remarking on it, for sort of pushing back on the state in the very earliest days. It was sort of rolled out as a marketing initiative early on. And the local community said, you know, this is a really good idea, but we really need to build this in a way that is smart for us, you know? And so they sort of identified it. And then when I came along, I was the person that was handed that thing. And so it was sort of like, you know, when you climb a mountain and you get to the top of the mountain and you realize like, you can finally see where you need to go. And it's all these more mountains you need to like go down and back up. And you're not really given a map and it's it's more like you have a true north of where you're trying to get and you have a compass <laughs> and so that was sort of it was a big experiment you know and i was the first person they hired and so i'm standing there like okay and i had a couple of really good guides you know great people around me who could sort of be like i'll, I'll break trail for you over here or i'll do this over here for me personally it was this journey in leadership right of being a young person first you know just moving home i had been in alaska and i just moved home and and really trying to figure out, like, can I do this? Can I, I like, I, you could see it was a good idea. You could see it had the right people around it. And it was also, you know, a moment for me to say, am I going to be brave enough to stand up and like do this, you know? And it took a little while, but I got there. <laughs> it's such an innovative approach. You know, there, there are tons of regional brands out there, but a lot, but like you said, they don't connect to that entrepreneurial ecosystem that you have within the Pennsylvania wild. You know, the outdoor recreation economy is an $887 billion industry in the U.S. But we recently spoke to an affordable housing expert. You know, we were talking about the Asheville area and how kind of their economy is built on tourism. But a lot of people that work in the service industry within tourism in that economy can't afford to live in the city because of the housing prices are so astronomical. When we say outdoor recreation economy, people automatically assume tourism or the service industry. But I feel like with the Pennsylvania Wilds, it's, it's so much more in regards to outdoor recreation. Can you just explain how the outdoor recreation is an economic dr driver within the PA yeah. Wilds? This is a great question. And I've been thinking a lot about this lately because there's sort of like, there's the tourism industry and there's the outdoor recreation you know, economy. And when I think of the outdoor recreation economy, it's sort of both tourism, but it's also the product development side. It's the people that make stuff. That has been for us a huge focus since the beginning. It's not just on the service sector part. And that part is really critical and very important. And they can be good paying jobs, especially when you're talking about small businesses, the business owners, all of those sorts of things. But so is like the people who make the things. And, and from the beginning, our, we have had a focus on bringing products to market, helping makers bring products to market. Our region has a huge sort of very vibrant maker culture. And you couldn't really see it prior to the wilds because, you, you know, look at the backdrop here. It's all like woods and mountains. And, you know, everybody's doing this stuff in their house or, you know, in a barn uh, on a backcountry road or whatever. And so a big focus for us from the beginning was first identifying our makers, 
finding a way to network them together, finding a way to get their products and elevate them so people could see like, this is our maker culture in this region and look at all these great products. And then it's also like all those entrepreneurial supports around them, helping them figure out how do we price our products? What's an appropriate price point? How do we get to market? How do we brand ourselves? And then in addition to sort of the maker piece, which is a huge part of our supply chain and value chain out here is sort of the manufacturing kind of gear piece of this. I mean, there's a lot of companies that make stuff for the outdoor industry, right down to like component parts and, you know, for RVs and four wheelers and that sort of stuff to, you know, organic climbing is in our region and they make, they're a global brand for rock climbing gear and they have the coolest facility on an old coal strip mine powered by solar. And so it's like this reuse of, of everything. And so it's, you know, it's manufacturing, it's producers, it's artisans, it's service sectors. And that's part of what makes Outdoor Rec so powerful is that it touches all these different types of businesses, I think. In addition to that, I would say Outdoor Rec is like a different industry in a lot of ways because it has this huge multiplier effect or can if it's done intentionally. So what I mean by that is, you know, when you work on outdoor rec, you work on rec assets that your local residents use, right? It touches on health and wellness. It touches on ability of your major employers to be able to attract and retain talent because now you have like this vibrant downtown and these recreation assets. That's like what the 21st century workforce wants, you know? So by working on outdoor rec, you know, these are major issues that are facing rural communities. And by working on outdoor rec, you sort of, you start to tackle a lot of them, you know, alongside it because, or at least start to address them alongside it because it touches all these other things, workforce, health and wellness, you know, the tax base. I mean, all of those things more so than, than other industries I think do. Todd, tell me a little bit about your background. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Did you have an entrepreneur background? You mentioned that you moved to Alaska and then came back home. Can you tell me a little bit more about you personally and then how this how you've kind of developed this entrepreneurial mind, I guess? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I grew up here in the Pennsylvania wilds. I was raised by a single mom, three sisters, not a lot of resources around me. And I left when I was in eighth grade and I didn't think I'd ever come back. And it wasn't that I didn't think the place was beautiful or that the people were wonderful. It was just that I was sort of part of a whole generation of kids, you know, that was just sort of like, get out, save yourself. There is no future here. You know, I mean, it was generations of, you know, or decades of, of population decline and sort of seeing your, your community sort of things shutting down. And it, it just really never thought that I could have a, a future here, you know? So I went to Alaska and I'd always been very drawn to public service. And I got into journalism very early on, sort of in high school, and then followed that into college, put myself through school and, and then had my first career in Alaska and traveled abroad and, you know, covered issues at home and abroad. And then I really got to this point in the, you know, sort of in my thirties, early thirties, where I just started to, to realize like, you see a lot of stuff as a journalist, you know, and I was a daily news reporter for the big daily and covered crime and public safety. And you just, you see a lot of dark stuff. And I was like, you know, I don't think I want to do this. And it's very combative. Uh, journalism could be very combative. I, I just was like, you know, I, I, I want to like build something, you know? And so instead of journalism to me felt like a lot of tearing down of things, you know, sometimes. So 
and I know a lot of great journalists and I, I could say many wonderful things, but for me personally, I just, I struggled with it and some of the stuff I covered. And so I just got to this point where I was like, okay, uh, my whole life had been devoted to it. You know, it was like my purpose and the way I related to the world. And then I was like, I just need to dump all my tiles and start over here. And I'm not even sure what I'm going to do at that time. I didn't have any kids. So it's a little easier. And my younger sister, she's an air traffic controller in the Navy. And she had just gotten out of the Navy and the FAA had a hiring freeze. So she, she didn't think she could go in there. She's like, you know, they have this thing back home that has just launched. It's called the Pennsylvania Wilds. And it's this idea that they want to grow nature tourism back home. She's like, it's such a good idea. They have the river and the woods. We're right in the middle of the national forest here and right on the National Wild and Scenic Allegheny River. Um, and that was kind of the backdrop, you know, for us, us growing up. And she's like, you know, it makes so much sense. She moved home and, and bought, you know, this little tiny sort of a bookmark of a business at the time. And then I followed her a short time later. I fell in love. That helped with a, a you know, a, a farm boy that I'd known since I was a teenager. For the first couple of years, my sister and I we were trying to grow this little outfitting business and we grew it from 1,200 paddlers a season to like 10,000, 12,000 paddlers a season. And, you know, we tied into all the things the Wilds was talking about. It was still sort of a fledgling effort back then, but like it worked and we could see and see how it, it impacted my sister's business and how she grew it. And she had such a love for the outdoors. She's just an amazing outdoors person. To see the spark that she became in our small hometown, I was like, oh my gosh, this work is incredible. Like this idea is incredible for this place. And you could really see like how it could go. But it was also, you know, it was launched under a democratic governor. We were about to have a new election. I was like, oh my gosh, if they, if we don't transition this, right? Like if they don't get some local, more locals behind this, is it going to last? You know, at that time we had this opening for the PA Wild Small Business Ombudsman. And that's when I went in and said, you know, uh, I have the background to do this one. I've been building this little outfitting business based on this whole concept right here in the wilds. And I have a, a communications background. So they gave me the job and it's just, I'm so grateful because it's just been, it's been such a privilege to work on, you know, it's legacy work. And for tons of people up here that are involved in this work, there's been so many hands who have helped get it where it is today. And it's been just incredible to watch how it's worked and the change that it's, it's hard to change and stay true to your roots. But I feel like as a place where we're really figuring out how to do that, just the effort of trying to do that and seeing the results that we do in communities and, and all these people sort of doing their piece of it. It's definitely not one person or one organization. It's, it's hundreds, you know, and it's just a, it's a really cool, it's just a really cool thing to be part of. Yeah, we, we spoke to an organization, the Kentucky Wildlands, who who is kind of rebranding their, that area of East yeah. Kentucky. But, you know, we asked them specifically uh, in your rebranding, are, are you getting away from that heritage, that culture that Appalachians have always been built on? And, you know, they emphatically said, no, they're doubling down on that heritage. They're just telling through a different story. We have a document and it was created before my time, the principles of the Pennsylvania Wilds. But it's it's just a one page document that talks about like what the brand stands for. And it's just incredible to, to go back and read it now almost 20 years later. And I didn't have a hand in it, but I just felt like 
he totally nailed it, you know, and it has stood the test of time. I'll give you a shout out. I love your promise on that declaration. It's the road less traveled makes all the difference. I think that is so spot on, right? (laughs) (laughs) And now, you know, now we have, just to show you how far it's come, now we have a whole commerce platform that we are building out, right? So we run these gift shops tied to public lands, through a public-private partnership with the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And we've taken that brand and you can find that slogan on a t-shirt printed by a printer here in the PA Wilds that is now for sale to, to the traveling public. Pennsylvania Wilds, it, it covers, it's a, a quarter of the land yeah. in Pennsylvania. However, it's only 4% of the population. When you're talking about density, when you're talking about economic drivers, just how many businesses are within your network, your ecosystem, and what kind of services are you providing? How are you helping them to drive the economy, but also support them in regards to being a successful business? Yeah, great question. So our network is called the Wilds Cooperative of Pennsylvania. You know, it's all the businesses that are cooperating with us in this whole effort to grow the brand, to grow the experience of the brand, to grow the products behind the brand. So the first thing you have to do is organize everybody in a way that they can talk to you and you can talk to them. So that is the Wilds Cooperative. And we have about 400, I want to say we're almost at 420 now, businesses and organizations that are part of that network. And it's free to join it. Folks can come in. There's a couple of stipulations. You have to be locally owned, you know, franchises. We don't do that. So it's it's really trying to get at that local ownership and once they're in there, that gets them into all of our marketing. So all of the, you know, onto pawells.com, which is our regional visitor site into our social media marketing, into our newsletters. There's also, we have sort of resource sheets and a referral network that we use. So if a business is growing, then we can refer them out. We try very hard not to duplicate any service that is offered up here. We're, we're, you know, it's like any rural place. There's just zero capacity for anybody to be doing something twice. You know, if a business is looking for financing, we know we have partnerships with all the lenders, whether it's our local CDFI or uh, low interest loans for our economic development districts or what have you. We know where those resources are so we can connect folks out. The small business development centers help with business plans, et cetera. So there's that whole sort of element of just being kind of the wayfinder. We maintain the relationships with all those organizations so that as businesses come in and they're growing, we can connect them out to to the resources that are there. And then there's the marketing piece. Then there is this commerce platform, which is a big focus that we've been focusing on lately, which is how do we help? these businesses get more of their products and services to market. They estimate, you know, the studies and things estimate we've got about 7 million visitors that come to the region. How do we get more of those visitors to those companies' products and services, right? Both digitally when they're not here, but they're thinking about us or physically when they are in region. The commerce platform sort of works on both of those things. We have the brick and mortar shops, PA Wilds Conservation Shops, which we as PA Wilds Center actually operate. We just opened our second flagship under our Build Back Better. Uh, We would be expanding that out quite a bit. And so what those stores do is when they fill gaps in visitor services, so we can get in there, operate these, uh, these stores and then we use everything that we sell is, of course, from that rural value chain that we've built. So it's all products and services from those little rural companies and entrepreneurs. So it helps get their um, stuff to market. In addition to the brick and mortars, 
which we under Build Back Better, we were trying to do um, go from two units, which is what we have now, to 10 units. So it'd be a pretty big expansion over the next four years. And just to give you a sense, I mean, one of our stores is closing in on about a half a million dollars in sales annually. So you really move some local product. I mean, it's it's a great new sort of marketplace for these local businesses. That's awesome. We think that we can expand that out. And then in addition to that, we have shopthepawilds.com is our commerce site right now. And it's what's called a niche market. We're going, we're trying to go under Build Back Better, go from a niche marketplace to a community marketplace. So essentially where that would end us, it would be a best in class sort of technology model that will allow you, Neil, or Will, if you wanted to visit the Pennsylvania Wilds, you could go to pawilds.com. You could explore the region like you could now, but you could also book your lodging, book your outfitting trip, buy your t-shirt, all of it right from a single site. And we've got all the R&D done on it. And the cool thing is, is that if we're able to get that done, there would then be a transferable model that other places could use. Because, you know, the thing about Outdoor Rec is, Public lands, right? They're the bones of the outdoor rec industry. And who's got public lands? Rural places do. Um, Appalachia surely does. It makes outdoor rec not just a huge national economic driver, but a really critical one for rural areas in particular. And it, it has a lot of opportunity in that way. And you see this great intersection, right? Like happening nationally where it's like, there's been all this focus around rural, like, oh yeah, we left rural behind. How do we help rural, right? And that's not always easy to figure out because it isn't cookie cutter, you know? Right. And in my experience, at the same time, you see this thing happening without outdoor rec, especially since COVID, right? That people are like, wait a minute, outdoor rec is, it's, it's really important to people. And it's this economic driver. If you want to make a difference in rural, outdoor rec is one way to do that in a lot of landscapes. So we're really hopeful about the models. There is a lot of energy right now across Appalachia around outdoor rec. I'm, I'm really excited for Appalachia in particular. I just feel like we can be one of the great outdoor rec meccas and not just for the visitor, but also for the companies that want to live in a landscape like this, right? That want to, to reside there and have workers that reside there. So I just think there's a lot of opportunity on both sides, the tourism side and, and the you know, the manufacturing and maker side of things. So to that point, since you don't have that website uh, ready just yet, and, you know, you, we've got people listening to our listeners, if they ask you the question, okay, Ta, I've got three or four days or maybe one weekend to come from East Kentucky where I'm at and come and visit, what would I do? Where would I go? I know that's probably a difficult question because a million things probably go through your mind. But if I had three days, tell me what, what our listeners should definitely do. Well, this is a great question and thank you for asking it. So they should go to pawells.com and they will be able to, to search the region in that way. And we've divided the region into sub landscapes because it is so big and you can't do the whole thing at once. So you'll have to come back. Once you decide on the first thing, you can come back and try the other thing. Right. So there's these sub landscapes and it really depends on what you're after. You know, if you want the dark skies experience, there's a certain part of the region you can go to. If you're looking for a cycling experience on a rail trail, head over to Pine Creek. If you're looking for oh, the National Wild and Scenic Allegheny River or the Clarion River, that's sort of on the Western side of the region, or there's elk country if you wanna do the elk. So choosing sort of like what experience are you after, I think is your first question. And there's so many people that have different experiences. I mean, the elk are certainly a calling card. It's beautiful to go see 
And they have wagon rides that they do throughout country at dusk. So the Elk Country Visitor Center there in Benazet, you know, up where we're at, the National Wild and Scenic Allegheny River, you know, we've just had this like great cluster that's happened in the downtown there in Warren. And it's like a rock jam, brewery, an outfitter. And they've got the trails at Jake's Rocks out on the ANF that they've just finished. It's a world-class mountain biking system. So if you're looking for that sort of thing, if you go to Cherry Springs State Park is where they do dark skies programming. And it's, you know, it's a really cool thing. It's been a couple of years since I was out there, but the first time I went, I was sort of like, you know, do I really need to go see the dark skies at Cherry Springs? Because I live in the wild and I can see the Milky Way on any dark night where there's not clouds. I can see the Milky Way every night from my house. But then I went and it was just an incredible experience because everybody has to have these red lights on, you know, and there's, you lay in this field, you basically lay out a blanket in the middle of the field. It's so simple and it's so beautiful because like who does simple anymore? And so you just lay in this field and then the, the, the park people have the, the laser, which looks like they can just touch the sky, you know, the stars up there and they explain what you're looking at. And then on the other side of the park are like the, the real astronomer people that come from around the world to with their like eight foot telescopes and ladders up to them and stuff like that. So it just, you take it all in. You're like, wow, this is really incredible. You know, to me, there's like this narrative of innovation that's happening here. And this, there's so much heart behind it. And these entrepreneurs, I mean, is just the coolest thing to watch. There's so many that we've had in our region that are young people that have moved home and entrepreneurship is the path. The Pennsylvania Wilds is very innovative in and of itself as an organization to, you know, to spotlight entrepreneurship, to do some of the things that you do. You not only do your work, but you also think of very creative programs within your work. And one of those programs, you know, we've talked numerous times of how broadband is a game changer for Appalachia, especially rural areas like Pennsylvania Wilds. Well, you have this new innovative program, The Wilds Are Working innovative way to attract people to the wilds. You know, you don't know how great a place is until you come visit. Can you just talk about the wilds are working a little bit? I know you offer free housing with Wi-Fi for a month, a gift card, a welcome committee, and two of your communities, Belfonte and Kane. But can you talk about that programming a little bit? I just think it's so cool. Yeah, so this is a pilot program that we're trying um, with in partnership with the Appalachian Regional Commission, funding support for, by them and uh, Ben Franklin Technology Partners, which we've been doing more work uh, with them as well. It's basically, you know, after COVID, right? Everybody sort of switched. It like leveled the flank, leveled the playing field in terms of people remote working from so many different kinds of companies now, and that they could take those jobs with them, right? Um, and go different places, and so. There was a lot of chatter after COVID or during it, you know, about could this be a moment for population recovery for rural areas, right? After people go through that sort of an experience in, a, in an urban setting and the connections to outdoors that happened during the pandemic and all of these things, it was sort of like, well, we have a shot here to, to really talk to people that are looking for a different way of life, a different, you know, way of living, try that with remote work and bring their job with them. And so... It, we start, we're starting it as a pilot. I think we looked at a couple of, there's a couple of them across Appalachia. We looked at a couple other models that are happening um, out in other states outside of Appalachia, but we're not the only ones thinking of it for sure. Um, there's been a couple of different places. 
the trick for us is how do we put enough questions in place to try to help folks make it make the help the community make a good decision and help the worker make a good decision to figure out if it's a right fit right so that and that's the biggest thing is is sort of the piece that we did is put the platform in place right so that people could come in apply to the community the community gets to look at their application have a conversation with them and then you know select so we don't do any of the selection the community does uh, our first pilot just um launched in Belfont and um, I think they've got five or six. Um, it kicks off this summer, so we'll see how it goes. Cool. And, and it's a yeah. re remote worker for a month, right? Yes. And so, well, it's for a couple of weeks. I think there's some flexibility in the time. Some places have done this where um, you get a year and they give you like $10,000, but you have to stay a whole year and then they give it to you at the end. We decided to do something a little more flexible it's a smaller amount of money. It's a smaller amount of stay just to let people sort of uh, look at things. We also know it's really, you know, it's an opportunity for boomerangers, folks that grew up here and moved away. There were a lot of us that, who are now thinking like, could I take my business back there? Could I take my, you know, idea or my remote work back to the place I grew up? And so the other thing, I guess there's a couple things that we're really trying to do with that program aside from the remote work piece of it, which is, one, um, it goes back to supporting those local entrepreneurs again. So the gift cards can only be spent with, you know, the local businesses that are in the network. So it's free to join, but you have to be locally owned, um, essentially, to be part of it. Uh, so again, it drives that the spend locally. And then the other part is, you know, it develops language about the community um, that they're involved with creating that narrative about their community that can translate to other things, you know, companies and things in that community can use to, for their own needs of, of workforce and uh, attracting, attracting talent. I know you have the Firefly Festival coming up at the end of June. Do you want to talk yeah. about that? Just brief, just real quickly, let people know what that is. You have an amazing network of fireflies there in the PA well. Yes. So we have synchronistic, <laughs> all of them light up at the same time. You know the word I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> and it, they put on an incredible light show. Um, you can find it at the, the Firefly Festival in the PA Wilds. A writer from Travel and Leisure came through uh, last year and wrote a story about it. It just came out this, um, I think like a month or so ago, talking about the Firefly Festival. So it's really a sight to see, but it's in Forest County and they're right on the, they've got the Allegheny River flowing through there too. So, I mean, it's just a beautiful place. Totally recommend it. We have a couple of rapid fire questions for you if you're, if you're open to that. Okay. What's your favorite thing to do in the wilds? Hiking in the woods with my kids. You know, waterfalls, there's one near us called Bent Run and it's really beautiful and you hike all the way up around it. You know, it kind of has different levels. Uh, paddling the Allegheny for sure. And hunting, I like hunting. Turkey hunting, probably more than whitetail hunting. Pennsylvania is one of the few states where the kids get out of school for opening day, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Very Absolutely. important to the wilds. I'm yes. On the first day of, of uh, rifle season, all the kids are out of school. You can see the orange everywhere in the woods, you know, and people parked on the side of the road. Do you have a favorite place to stay or recommendation? Oh, gosh, there's a lot. I would say... If you're looking for like a lodge experience, the Gateway Lodge is a very unique experience down in Cook Forest. They have some of the, the oldest growth uh, woods there and um, in the wilds um, down in Cook Forest that surrounds the lodge. So Gateway Lodge, it's just a really unique property, rustic luxury, if you will. 
uh, but the character of the place, it's just like a historic, you know, kind of place. So it's really incredible. There's a lot of beautiful bed and breakfast in all of the towns. A lot of our towns were, were, you know, sort of built on timber and oil. And so you have these incredible Victorian sort of mansions and, and things like that. Many of those have been converted over to B&Bs. Hyde Murphy, like woodwork in them, you know, incredible stuff. So I would say, you know, looking at on PAWealth.com, you can find a number of listings uh, for those. And then on the DCNR, um, who's been just an incredible partner with us in this work, uh, one of their early investments was the Nature Inn at Bald Eagle State Park. And so that's actually there on the state park lands. It's unique. It has sort of a birding theme, like an Audubon kind of theme to it. And you can see the amount of energy you use in your room and things like that sort of ties into the stewardship messages of the brand. So over in Williamsport, they have um, Millionaire's Row and a lot of those old, the Peter Herdick house and, and things like that. So That's a very political answer. You got a lot of them in there. I know. My <laughs> gosh, I'm going to have to go on and on and on. You have a va- favorite restaurant if you could just choose one? No, I can't choose one. Okay. <laughs> to that point, Pennsylvania in general is known as the snack capital of the world. What is your favorite snack? My favorite snack. Oh, 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 I why is it escaping me right now? I truly have one. It's like this pretzel. It's salty and sweet at the same time. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to have to. Sounds like you after. eat it every day. No, we had it on a bus trip one time and I, I was like, I had to reorder some after the bus trip. It's made by one of our makers. The other thing that I would say is we have, we've had so many awesome breweries. You know, we've had about 46% growth in tourism spending here over the last decade. So that has supported a lot of breweries and wineries and distilleries. So the craft breweries up here are just awesome. So I would definitely check them out. And so many of them are named after like wreck assets nearby, you know? So um, the the flagship is probably um, Straw Brewery. That's an iconic brand from this region. They're an American legacy brewery. Then there's a ton of little craft breweries that have started across across the region. So uh, that's another one that I would definitely say sort of, you know, as, as you're in these small towns looking for the local breweries and wineries and distilleries, they're really, they got a lot of heart behind them, a lot of cool like culture and rec assets and things that are kind of parts of their brands and brand stories. So definitely those. Pennsylvania is known as the Christmas tree capital of the world. So do you go live or fake Christmas tree? Oh my gosh. We go live. Yes. And I only say, oh my gosh, because one year I did go fake and my husband did not let me live it down. He's like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's only because we had just moved into a, a new house that needed a lot of work and 65 acres and we just had our hands so full so I was like I'm just gonna put up a fake tree this year because I didn't want to bother <laughs> he's like what are you doing putting up a fake tree so yes we go live being from the Pennsylvania wilds what do you prefer pierogies or grits um definitely pierogies <laughs> good yes. I guess good answer for the wilds right uh, <laughs> so do you guys do leeks in the south yeah we, I have to ask you this too. Last question. Y'all or Yuns? Up here, I would say it's sort of the the Pittsburgh holdover. Um, so it's more Yins. <laughs> yes. So in tradition to our podcast, I gotta ask you this question. We ask all of our all of our guests that come on this same question. And I just want to know what comes to mind. What's the first thing that rolls off your tongue when I say the word Appalachia? Special. Very cool answer. Totally agree. There is one other question that we ask all our guests and you've kind of 
already answered, but we wanted to ask you just where do you call home? What makes it home for you? What makes it unique for you? Well, I call I call here home. Pennsylvania Wilds is home for me. And, you know, it's the woods. I think more than anything, it's the defining landscape, um, the natural landscape of the place. My parents are, my grandparents are actually buried in the Allegheny National Forest. So without a doubt, um, it's where my roots are. And to me, it's, it's just the place that's always spoke to me. And even when you go to a place like Alaska and it's got the beautiful mountains, there's still something here when you grow up here. It, it just stays with you. You know, it, you're a part of it, just like the rocks and the trees are. <laughs> it's just, you can't let it go. And I think that's true when I hear people talk about their communities across Appalachia. I think there's a lot of truth to that for a lot of people. It's just a landscape that it just, it's just part of you. Yeah, Neil and I totally agree. We always say there's something magic about the mountains. They just always draw us back. Absolutely. You did mention Build Back Better several times. We want to congratulate you on the Build Back Better Regional Challenge. We know you are a finalist. That's really great news for your organization and for the PA Wilds. Thank you. We're really excited, hoping for good news in September. Will and I greatly appreciate the work that you do every day, and we know how hard it is and how dedicated you are to that region, and and we really are thankful for your time today. Well, thank you, and I'm just, I can't say enough how thankful I am that you guys do this and you're highlighting um, these these stories from across Appalachia. I think it's so cool and so needed. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. you. Appreciate it. What about that interview with Tom and the Pennsylvania Wilds? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very very fond of Kentucky as I talk about on here all the time but I think if I had to uproot and go somewhere else man living in the middle of the PA wilds might be a great spot to uh, anchor down for a bit man she was talking about some amazing things you know happening in, in the PA wilds you know one of the things that I wanted to touch on was the way that they focus on entrepreneurship and really building the economy through the outdoor recreation space. It's innovative in a way. Yes, you should always build your entrepreneurs, but the way that they focus on it, the way that they've not necessarily shifted, but still do that marketing piece, but really focus on the entrepreneurial side and building that economy from within. They kind of uh, are a little bit ahead of the curve here when they saw what they had around them and have created quite the industry in association with their land. I think it's brilliant. I think Todd does an amazing job. And I am so happy that she answered most of my questions, even though they were a little broad on exactly what I needed to do for a weekend getaway. I am looking forward to doing that sometime. Yeah, I think her itinerary was more for a two-week vacation <laughs> yeah, rather than a three-day itinerary. You need to spend a month up there, man. I think you could spend a year and still not, yeah. still not do all the things that the Wilds has to offer. Yeah. One of the things that I did want to point out, though, she mentioned when she was talking about her favorite snack, she said one of her favorite snacks, she couldn't remember the name of it. Mm-hmm. She got in touch with us later on after the interview. We found out and we got our hands on King Crunch. That's her favorite snack. It's the Triple Crunch Munch. We got our hands on some and we are going to taste test it on oh, yeah. air. I got it right here, Will. Yes, sir. Full so, bag. It's a, it's a nice full bag that they that we got. 
full of what, what what's it consist of here neil you got popcorn with caramel and chocolate wrapped all around it and then pretzels with chocolate on them and then just like a regular potato chip kind of like mixed in together you know me i'm kind of a sucker for crunch so i'm gonna just dig in here and get a couple pieces and see how it tastes will Mm. What'd you think? Man, I had a great combination. I'm going to try some. I'm going to start with this chocolate-covered pretzel. Oh, man. I never really considered pretzels and popcorn together. And, you know, I'm not a huge chocolate guy, but even even the chocolate mixed in there with the caramel popcorn. and You get that salty potato chip with it? Oh, yeah. Man, this this is brilliant. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure I can stop. Kingcrunchbrands.com. Homegrown brand straight out of the Pennsylvania wilds at a Brookville, PA. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm I'm a fan. Definitely, looks like, man. This is this is good stuff. She wasn't like, she wasn't kidding. Looks like I'm gonna have to get more of the King Crunch brands in in my home now that all of our listeners know where they can find it. I fully expect you guys to try it. Kingcrunchbrands.com with a K, Will. The crunch is with a K. Kingcrunch with a K. Brands.com. So well, we this got, is just one of the brilliant businesses within the PA Wilds. We got another app biz of the week, right? Absolutely. You want to let them know what that app biz of the week is, Neil? Sorry, I'm enjoying this King Crunch. <laughs> you can't just eat one. No, man. I can't stop. It's the Allegheny Outfitters. Yeah, Will, you can go. It's just A-L-L-E-G-H-E-N-Y-O-U-F-I-T-T-E-R-S.com. Business is owned by Toss Sister. They're in, uh, I believe it's in Warren, Pennsylvania, which makes it even cooler, in my opinion. But you can get kayaks, hammocks, backpacks, uh, any type of, uh, you know, local artistry stuff that they may have. Got a really cool logo hat. So, yeah, check them out, man. Always have to support locally owned. Definitely. Cool business in the PA Wilds. And check out the PA Wilds website. I know Todd was talking about it. All kinds of locally made crafts. Just all the things that are going on in the wilds. You should definitely check it out. Yes, sir. Check it all out. Well, Neil, I think this has been a great episode, not only of the PA Wilds, but how they do things there in regards to entrepreneurship. So, I guess we can end it like we usually do. Till next time, I'll be crunching. Peace. I'm up in the mountains again. I'm getting lighter. The air's getting thin. Now I'm facing down with a grin. I've been in the city too long. Sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs. Now I'm back up where I belong in the mountains.